Hello, what's this week's sports all on Salford City Radio? I'm Rob Parkson, and we're here talking all things sports in Salford. Join the show this week, as ever, we've got James Sweetenham. James, looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford and beyond? Yeah, most certainly am, Rob. I was away last week, but this time I'm coming back with a bang, and I can't wait for this week's show. Yeah, with Mr. James, it's going to be great talking all things sport in Salford with you. We're also joined by Paul Whiteside from The Devil in the Detail. Paul, are you ready to talk all things sport in Salford and beyond? Yeah, certainly am, mate. It's been a bit of a sizzler this weekend, hasn't it? Um, you know, very, very warm and admiration for every sports person that's uh, that's got involved in this heat. But yeah, looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, so we'll start with the boxing, James. Going on. Yeah, we most certainly will. And nothing bigger than Paul Whiteside's outing this weekend at Bowlers. How are you feeling going into this one, Paul? Got a good fight ahead, haven't you? Oh, you've took me by surprise there. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Feeling okay, feeling good. Uh, looking forward to it. Get a bit nervous, like like you do. But body's, body's holding out. I've had a few little niggles this time around. But no, I've trained all right and can't wait now. Just want to get it done with and then get it off my mind and spend a bit of time with me kids and that really now because you, you dedicate a lot you know when you're working full time you dedicate a lot of tra- training your know, time and stuff like that so when you've got your full time athlete I suppose you have a bit more time your family and that don't you I work and then go training afterwards so yeah I'm looking forward to it, it should should be good I'm not sure how many fights I've got left in me this could, could possibly be the last one we'll have to see Live to retirement do Paul and you've had a fantastic career on the white collar circuit and I'm looking forward to, to witnessing this in person but anyway there's been some big news this week Conor Ben, Chris Eubank Jr., two of the biggest names in British boxing, their fathers iconically despised each other, had two of the biggest fights in the history of British boxing. Now their lads are set to go toe-to-toe. And as big a fight this is, Paul, for me, there's a massive issue. And I just think there's too big a size difference. Chris Eubank Jr. has operated at world level at 168, has been in with some high-caliber opponents. Conor Ben. Granted, up and coming, looking very good, but hasn't fought the same sort of caliber. Are you on a similar line of track of thinking to me, or are you thinking this is going to be a great fight? Uh, I was surprised when I heard about it because obviously you've got the the sort of history between the, the the fathers. But I'm I'm with you. I look at like sizes and things like that, and to me, they both fight at a totally different weight. Um, Chris Eubank Jr. is like you said, he he operates at you know, a couple of weight divisions above, doesn't he, really? So what what weight are they going to fight at? It's, it, I, don't, I don't really know what's going to happen there. So so I think it'd be a good fight if you could get round to the, the same, similar sort of weight because they both, you've got that history there and they're both uh, fighters who, who are what I like, I like to call nasty fighters. They're, they're spiteful, aren't they, in everything that they do. Both 100 mile an hour, you know, Conor Ben is in every fight he's been in. He's been absolutely electric. And Chris Eubank Jr. has been in some real battles. I mean, if you go back to the, the fight against Liam Williams, I mean, that was tough that to go in his backyard and do what he did. I thought he came out with that with a lot of credit. Um, so I think, yeah, that you've got two very, very entertaining men who won't take a backward step. It'd been absolutely brutal war, but I'm just a bit sort of, uh, where where's it going to be at? What's it going to be made at? Is it going to be some sort of catch weight or, or what? I, I don't really know. We're looking at 156 pounds at the moment. Of course, that would mean Ben's going up considerably. Eubank coming down by four. I mean, having fought at super middleweight, you could argue that it'll drain him coming down that low, but for Conor Ben, it's a massive leap up. It is. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when I look at boxing, I think, is it 
is it better to go up or is it is it better to come? Obviously, it's draining to come down, depending on how far you're coming down. And some boxers really struggle to make it. It's 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 tough to make that cut, isn't it? I mean, your body, your body, and you, is your is your frame, isn't it? I mean, it's difficult to take that that sort of weight off sometimes when you've got a particular frame. So. And as for Conor Ben going up, it can be equally as tough going up as well. I mean, you've got to put on, it's no use putting on loads of weight and not being able to move and, and not being comfortable at the way. You've got to be right, haven't you? Because you don't want to lose your speed and your power. So when you're coming up in big weight, you're, you're liking somebody else's body, aren't you? Because you're not used to it. So it'd be intriguing to see to see how it all pans out. And and yeah, it, it's it's an eye-catching fight. There's no doubt about that. Just, just the names sell the fight straight away. But I'm uh, more con- interested in how they're going to make it and, and what they're going to look like. But I'm sure they've got a good team, John, and nutritionalists and, and teams that are going to make sure they're right and, and this, that and the other. But I hope it's, it's right and it's not too draining or, or too tough for, for, for Ben or, as I said, too draining for, for you, Bank, because because uh, that would be a mistake if it went that way. It's looking like the fight's going to go on DAZN pay-per-view. And we all knew that DAZN came into the British market with a splash. They were going to give us the boxing. They've gone for Champions League rights. They've gone to buy BT Sport. They've gone for the UFC. They did this exclusive deal with Anthony Joshua, but that's now ended up going to Sky Sports. They've gone for all these things and none of it's really come off. Does it almost feel like a bit of a Hail Mary, this fight from DAZN? Yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? I think they expected it to go a different way, didn't they? But I, I'm still a bit of a purist. I, I get a bit frustrated when, like at the weekend, there was boxing who, who caught my eye and, and you can't watch it because it's on BT Sport or it's on something else. And not everybody's a washroom money to, to pay for all these channels and these pay-per-view. So it, it does frustrate me at times. I mean, if you've got Sky Sports or, or, or BT or whatever, you're paying you know, a premium subscription, aren't you? And, and then you're looking, something's on something else and it's it's difficult. So, so yeah, I think I think DAZN thought they were going to uh, clean up, really, didn't they? And, and they probably haven't. So, But there's that many different promoters now and, and different streams, isn't there, of, of where fights are going to be. And, you know, you've got the Boxer series that's been on Sky Sports. There's Ben Shalom who does a lot there. You don't really hear much from Eddie Hearn anymore, do you? You've got Frank Warren doing BT. So you've got that many different fingers in pies these days it's difficult to keep up also channel five get, get quite a bit on there now don't they as well uh, i think their coverage has been great when i've seen it so um so i i'd like to see more boxing on terrestrial tv but i don't think that's ever going to happen i think that's the world that we live in i mean we've made this fight seemingly now between conor ben and chris eubank jr and and for eubank it obviously makes sense it's a massive fight a lot of people would argue that he should be pursuing world honors at this stage considering he's still yet to officially claim a world title whereas conor ben was up and coming on a very seemingly direct path to big things he'd become the poster boy of the zone he'd fought the right opponents at the right time it looked like he was gearing up for fights with Jose Ramirez, Mikey Garcia, Maurice Hocker, those types of names. Does it feel a bit bizarre almost to throw this welterweight Pappy's bill and go for something completely different? I think it's strange on both counts, really. Um, I've been watching Conor Ben and really like the way he fights. He's tenacious, isn't he? He's exciting, he's explosive. He, you know, he's like a lion when he gets in there. He toys with his opponent, and yeah, he's he's probably not for you know he, he, they've they've guarded him really up to now. He's not really fought the best of the best, and he's he's just been making his way. And then he comes up against Chris Eubank Jr., who's at a different you know stage of his career. I think Chris is thirty three. 
next, his next birthday, and you know later in the year. So he's at a different end of the scale, really, and, and coming off the back of. Uh, you know, some good results recently. Marcus Morrison win was a good one. He obviously beat James DeGale before that. And then the Liam Williams one in, in Cardiff last time out was a, it was a great win. And for me, that that should have been a world title eliminator, that really, for you know for the weight that he's at, you know, for, for middleweight. But it just seems a strange path to, to go back down. No disrespect to Conor Ben, but is it not a step downwards, really, going fighting fighting Conor Ben, a guy who's on his way up, really? So um, surely Eubanks at that stage of his career at 33, where... You've probably not got that long left. You want to, you want the, the massive fights, don't you? The world title fights. Yeah, extremely bizarre. We'll have to wait and see how it all unfolds, what the weight will officially be, where it's going to be held, and just see how it all turns out. And if if Conor Ben does lose, I mean, there's nothing lost in terms of his welterweight career, but it, it could do some massive damage to his confidence. Yeah, it could. It could. It just seems to me like as this fight been put together on the names only, uh, really. And is that the way the promoters have gone? You know, the, the Eubank and Ben name. I don't know. It just seems a strange thing to to put together. But hey, if if it sells tickets and it's a great night and, and a great fight, we said it. Me and you say it all the time that with domestic dust ups, get the country talking. And sometimes it can be the, some of the best fights, can't they? So we'll have to see. It'll, it'll be interesting the way it pans out. But you know, there's no doubt it's going to be entertaining. The press conference, the way in, the whole build-up to that fight will be absolutely fantastic with all the history between the two families. So, uh, so yeah, it came out of the blue to me when I heard it the other, the other day. So, uh, so yeah, I'll have to watch how it unfolds. I'm sure it'll be an intriguing one, though. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Well, sure, we'll break it all down on the Sports Zone. Now, Paul, we had some action over the weekend on BT Sport, as you mentioned. Shiraz back in action and uh, Mark Hemphren, who you know quite well, uh, beating Lennox Clark. Yeah, a big win for, for Mark, really. I mean, it's great for him, you know, the way he's, he's sort of come back, really. And he's probably at a crossroads in his career and had a couple of wins, got back on the on the ladder and, you know, got into, um, into Gallagher's gym training with Joe. And he seems to have got a real good partnership there and has come up on the off the radar really to, so to speak but to get in with Lennox Clark that was a big test for him a big step up you know he's had a couple of fights with Denzel Bentley and probably outclassed in the second one after the draw he had um, and a lot of people saying as he found his level but putting a great performance against Lennox Clark you know to, to stop him as well um, he was an 8-1 to one outsider really with the bookmakers and you know, he, he'd done really well, you know, a good fight and, you know, one or two were saying the stoppage was a bit controversial, I don't think so at all, he got hit with some clean shots there, Clark, and, and the referee, I think, made the right decision, so a great win for him down in, in London and, you know, he's a local fighter as well from Oldham, it's it's good for the town, it's good for the North West and see where he goes now, I think he's 30, 31, Mark, so he'll probably be looking at maybe a European title shot next and, and who knows what, what doors can open now, you know, could he get to a world title? I mean, we, it'd be great if he could, it really would, so um, so yeah, a, a great win for him and, um, you know, to get the, 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 the bring the belts back up to the northwest is, is is great for the town of Oldham. Yeah, it's great for Oldham and it'll be fantastic if he can secure big fights. There's plenty of names out there, your David Lemouge, your, your Caleb Trexes, and there could be some big nights ahead for him. Across the pond, Ryan Garcia back in action, defeating Javier Fortuna, calls out Javonta Davis, and that's one of the biggest fights in boxing now, surely. Yeah, certainly is. You know, you've got two fighters there who are, you know, flashy fighters out there, as I like to call them. And, you know, that that's a that's a big, big fight now. And when you get, like, you know, guys like calling each other out and, 
yeah, they, they obviously want that, and that's that's going to be a grudge match, isn't it? So yeah, a massive fight that, and let's hope it gets made. Let's hope it's not one of those that passes us by, and uh, and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that one uh, get made sooner rather than later. No, certainly. Now negotiations for a couple of fights that are nearly on the horizon. Sonny Edwards, Julio Cesar Martinez nearly looks done for a unification bout, and the big one. We've been calling for this for what feels like years. Terence Crawford, Errol Spence, apparently 99% over the line. Yeah, it's not 100, though, is it? It needs to be 100%, <laughs> really, does it? Because you know we've had that before. Where we said, oh, it's, it's nearly a done deal and something happens, somebody gets injured or or whatever. So let's just hope, fingers crossed, that gets made because that's another you know, mouth-watering fight. Isn't it? These are the fights we love to see. You know, the boxing purists in the UK, we get these big fights in America and it's... You know, it's great to see. They really are special occasions. Out the whole razzmatazz, the build up for it, and uh, you see elite people, aren't you? Elite boxers, elite athletes at their at their chosen field. So let's hope that one gets made. It does seem like an age, and you know those two aren't getting any younger, are they? So you want to see that before it's uh, it's too late, really. So that that'd be great if that gets announced. You know, probably won't be this year. Now I wouldn't have thought it'd probably be early next year or or whatever. But yeah, it'd be a great fight. Now, Jake Paul, Tommy Fury was scheduled to go toe-to-toe. We covered this a couple of weeks ago with the collapse of the fight. Jake Paul brings in a new opponent, Hasim Rackman Jr., the son of the legendary heavyweight. Big size difference here. Paul dragging Rackman down to 200 pounds from, I think, 230 in his last fight. But this is a good one, isn't it? I mean, nobody can say that this man is not a real boxer. No, that's right. No, he's a real boxer and, you know... You know, if anything, Jake Paul's pretty relentless, isn't he? He doesn't seem to let go of stuff. He doesn't seem to be frightened of anybody. So, uh, so yeah, and you can't really ever go at him for that. He's he's not fighting somebody who's just coming in to make the numbers up. You know, an ex sort of American footballer or, or whatever, a basketball player. This is this is the legitimate boxer and you know, a tough one at that as well. So, um, so yeah, it's a it's a big test for him. But you know, he seems to to thrive on that, doesn't he? He doesn't seem to fear anybody. Is Hasim Ratman Jr. a better opponent than Tommy Fury? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, Tommy Fury's probably... He's one of those who's got an awful lot of potential, hasn't he? And we've probably not seen the best of him yet. And and this probably is a... Someone said to me in the week, is he doing the right thing, Fury, going down that road? Does he need to be, you know, boxing, you know, the, the right way, you know, going through the levels, going through... Sometimes I think, yo, should he be going in there with a the YouTuber? Is it a bit of a sideshow? I, I, I don't know if it's the right thing to do or not. Short career boxing, isn't it? And you know, you need to, to obviously follow the money sometimes, don't you? And set yourself up. So it's a difficult question. It's probably pros and cons to both sides of it. But you know, for to answer your question, I don't think we've seen the best of Fury yet. So pr- probably he's probably not as good, is he? No, potentially not. I mean, Hasim Ratman, more amateur fights, a bigger guy. The only issue here is that uh, they are former sparring partners. I mean, would Jake have picked this fight had he not seen something in sparring that makes him think that he's the better operator? Um, I, d- I don't know. I think Jake Paul, from what I've seen, him, as I said before, he doesn't seem like he's worried about anybody, does he? He seems to take the whole world on, but he, he will know flaws if he's sparred him before, won't he? Or you don't know, you can spar somebody, can't you? And then they can box totally differently when, when they fight you in a ring. I think I don't think you give every single trick away when you spar and do it. You shouldn't do anyway, or you you know, depending on how long ago you sparred and they might have changed the style, they might have picked things up, they might have improved. So I don't think you can read a lot into to sparring, to be honest with you. Fair enough. Now moving on to some more 
heavyweight stories. Joe Joyce has vacated the British title, which has set up a beautiful fight between Fabio Wardley and Nathan Gorman. Yes, yes, that that's one that I'm looking forward to seeing. These two don't take a backward step, do they? I mean, we've seen a bit of Gorman recently, and uh, you know he's he's impressed me uh, from what I've seen of him. Wardley as well, very very tough operator, and that that's a that's a tough one to call. But I, I saw a bit of Gorman's last fight, and he he was really impressive for somebody who I thought I wasn't so sure about him whether he was whether he had a, a really good chin or not. But he's he's a brave lad, and I think this will be a big fight. This. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And his cousin, Tyson Fury, looks like he's getting back in the ring, but not with Usyk, not with Joshua, not even with Joe Joyce. He has all but confirmed about with Thor Bjornsson, uh, the world's, well, the ex-world's strongest man, a man who just conquered Eddie Hall in a big grudge match, and a former Game of Thrones star. It's a big bout, this one. An exhibition, so of course, not going to be taken overly seriously. Is this one you'll be tuning in for? And is it fair that Fury can get in the ring with Thor Bjornsson and keep his WBC world title when the likes of Joe Joyce have, have more than earned their shot? It, I don't know. It seems another funny one, this, doesn't it? I mean, when he said that then, it's an exhibition. It just reminds me a bit like the WWE wrestling, that sort of stuff. Will there be a script to it? Or I don't know. I don't see how he can get in with somebody as big as that, that Thor or same with him getting in with Tyson Fury and, and not sort of do your best because you're going to get hurt, aren't you? But... I don't like the, the the sound of exhibition boxing. I think when you get in a ring with someone, you should have the respect to to go to war with them, really, shouldn't you, and do your best. So it, it just seems strange to me. A bit of a sideshow, and, and Tyson Fury, I think everybody wants to see him get in and, and challenge the best, don't we, and, and, and keep his legacy going. And There's fighters there queuing up to fight him and, and queuing up for the belt. So, yeah, I think this just, just sort of holds up the, the sort of stem of, of fights, really, doesn't it? Last boxing one for you, Paul. Deontay Wilder scheduled to make his comeback later in the year. And it's looking like his opponent is going to be the Nordic nightmare, Robert Hellenius. Coming off two big wins over Adam Kanaki, upset wins at that. He's been vulnerable throughout his career. A couple of shock losses here and there to, to Gerald Washington and Johan Duapas, and even lost one to Dillian White. But in career best form has a lot of power and probably deserves a big fight coming off those Kanaki wins. Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a dangerous fighter. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he can be vulnerable, can't he, at times, but I think that's what makes him entertaining. Um, and we all know Deontay Wilder, very, very experienced boxing. I wasn't, I mean, anyone who's, who's fought Tyson Fury, the, you know, the way he has done, he's, he's going to pick up that sort of experience. And, you know, he's got that one-punch knockout power, hasn't he? There's no doubt about that. He eats like an absolute train, doesn't he? So, But he'll have to be wary. I think he'll be wary about Helenus, definitely, because he possesses a lot of power as well. He's got a good knockout record. And, you know, if he catches you, it's good night in Vienna. So that, that's a big fight. That, that'll be an entertaining one. But... Uh, Tough one to call, but you know, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I'd be going with uh, Deontay Wilder on that one, I think. But it should be a good one. Yeah, I don't think anyone can wait to see the Bronze Bomber back in action. But now moving on to the football, Rob. And it's been a great week for Manchester United, picking up two huge wins. A 4-1 over Melbourne victory and a 4-0 over rivals Liverpool. Great to, to, uh, to rub their faces in the mud there. Yeah, great start, James, for Manchester United's pre-season uh, training. Uh, two victories. It's, it's obviously a kind of thing that Hentag would be wanting from his players. I know it's a difficult situation, obviously, coming into a new club and you're wanting your players to kind of play. Um, but, yeah, 
great start. I think it's uh, something that all United fans can can hang on to and, uh, you know, move on forward. And, and that's the kind of thing we're looking at with pre-season. It's, it is about sort of making uh, the players fit and into a system which Ten Hag has brought in. And, yeah, excited about what, what's going to happen here, James. Yep, so two wins in uh, pre-season, James. What do you reckon? I'm very, very happy with it, Rob. Uh, Eric Ten Hag has always been renowned for his exciting football, and I think he's implementing that at Manchester United, as you see with a 4-0 win and a 4-1 win. Manchester United are capable of bagging goals, and that's something at points last year we struggled with, wasn't it? So I'm very happy, and unlike most managers, I don't think this is just the new manager effect, so to speak. I think with the way that Eric Ten Hag is approaching the job, he most certainly has the minerals to get Manchester United to play well. Coming off the back of three Eredivisie Championship wins, he's capable of winning now. Compared to Jose Mourinho, Louis van Gaal, etc., who've had success in the past, Eric Ten Hag is current and knows how to win in the modern footballing game. So I'm very happy with how Manchester United are playing at the moment. And I think there's more wins to come. I mean, we've got this game, haven't we, covered against Aston Villa. That gives him even more of a chance to explore the squad before going into next season. But all in all, very happy. Does beating Liverpool 4-0 in a friendly allow United fans to get very giddy, Paul? No. No. <laughs> okay. No, I don't think it allows you to get giddy. It's, it's, it's like you get them an ironic chance, don't you? Say, We're going to win the league. But, you know, no. I, I think it's good to win. Of course it is. You'd rather win 4 0 than lose 4 0 because, you know, teams and, and spirit and things are all built on, on winning, aren't they? And getting that winning culture. And they've got a new manager who's coming there. You don't want to start off with a 4 0 defeat, do you? So he, he's kicked the ground running, started with a, a, good, a good win over your rivals as well. So. So I don't think Liverpool will be too fussed about that. And I don't think Manchester United will because they're more professional than that. But it's a good start. It's a, it's a good grounding. So there's an awful lot of work to be done. It's, like a, it's probably sort of a transitional period now at the club, isn't it? There's been that much sort of change. So, no, I don't think... If you've been watching United for 20, 30, 40 years, you won't be getting excited over that. You'll be pleased, but you're going to keep your feet on the ground. Mm. Anthony Martial, James, coming back into the fold, played in both games. Um scored in both games is that a good sign it is I mean I don't think anybody has ever sat here and doubted his talent it was just whether he had the right mindset and he was the right fit for Manchester United and perhaps he wasn't under Brav Rangnick and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer but if he is under Eric Ten Hag then I'll happily keep him along for the ride there's been some problems in the United dressing room in recent years Pogba particularly at the helm of that but if Eric Ten Hag can set us right, I mean, he's implemented these rules, hasn't he? A structure to the squad. And it appears like the players respect him, which is very good. Because if anything, those players need a discipline kick, don't they? Mm. They need somebody to tell them that they represent the club and, and they're not above the club. So I'm very happy with how, how he's doing at the moment. And Anthony Alanga himself said that fitness was a huge problem last year. And it's already better than it was. Mm. And that's only a positive sign because... How long has Eric Ten Hag been here? Not very long, and he's already got us playing better. I suppose football, in any sport really, Paul, it's all really based on fitness. If you can outrun a team, it, it can get you the points. Yeah, of course it can. Your fitness is like your, your foundation, really, isn't it, for, for, for whatever your chosen sport is. If you're not, you're not fit, you're not going to last, you're not going to do the business, are you? So if you can get your team playing with that, that fitness, I think it helps you psychologically as well, doesn't it, you know? fit between the ears and fit in the legs. So, uh, so yeah, a good fit side is a good start. 
yeah, it's it is a good sign, James. And obviously, we, we move forward. You like you say, we've got friendlies to come. Um, this team. It's probably going to be a different team that, that lines up in that first Premier League uh, out in, but you know it's good. It's good that, like you say, Ten Hag has got his his ideas. He's he's promoted it onto his players, and the players are buying into it. Yeah, the players most certainly buying into it, and he's not quite done with bringing in new players yet, has he? I mean, Frankie De Jong, it's looking like he might not get that deal done. I mean, the Dutchman seems completely content at staying at Barcelona, but if that's what he does, that's fine because regardless of how good he is and how big an impact he'd make to the squad. If he doesn't want to play for us, then what's the point? Because we've seen that before, and it doesn't work out ultimately. I'm happy with the likes of Martinez coming in, Eriksen coming in. Martinez is a player who can play in numerous positions at the back. Ten Hag knows how good he is. I mean, a man who's won three Eredivisie titles, and two of them, Martinez has won with him. So he wouldn't draft him in unless he felt he was capable of making an impact. So I think he's going to have a very good season ahead, considering how well he's done and, and you know winning the uh, the Ajax Player of the Year last season. Yeah, he's he's a good player. Fifty-seven million pounds, Paul. Uh, Manchester United's going to pay for him. Um, you know, obviously in in this world we live in, this football world, fifty-seven million pound isn't a lot. So is he going to be good value? You think? Yeah, proof will be in the pudding, won't it, on his performances, but it's not like you've spent hundreds and hundreds of millions on him and it's been like a record transfer, so it's still a lot of money, but it's probably not the amount of money where it's pumping loads and loads of pressure on the player. So yeah, well you will see you'll see how, how, how value it is when he starts playing. But uh, but yeah, just going off his record there and where he's come from, what he's done so far, it, it seems like it could be a good signing. Yeah, and obviously another signing's come in, James Christian Eriksson. Signs on a three-year deal. Obviously, we all know about his his heart situation in in the Euros, and it's it's a difference. You know, it come to United, it kind of gone through that whole journey of fighting back to fitness, and now he's at the biggest club in the world. What a comeback, Rob! What a comeback! I mean, everybody knows what happened to him, and that ultimately inspired Denmark to make it all the way to the semi-finals, didn't it? And for him to come back, it's just a testament to his powers of self-belief and the fact that he's at Manchester United now is beyond remarkable. And I think anybody uh, respects the courage that that man has. And I think he'll make a fantastic addition to the squad because that's what we need, players with his level of self-belief. So I'm very happy with him. Moving on to another signing, Rob, and this isn't for Manchester United. This is Cesc Fabregas, who, of course, has had great success over the years playing for the likes of Arsenal and Chelsea and Barcelona. Struggled a bit at Monaco more recently. Mm. Now he seemingly is retiring out to Serie B, the Italian second division, playing for Como. Uh, of course, Como, the lake, uh, one of the nicest areas of the world. And right. you see so many of these players retiring to America, but I couldn't think of a better place to retire than there. Yeah, I suppose, you know, he's, he's peaceful. He's playing second division football, so the pressure might not be on him. Uh, as as he would have experienced the likes of sort of Arsenal, um, but yeah, you know he, he was a good player in his day, Paul, um, and I suppose he'll light up that that second division. Lots of te- lots of players like James says retire to the the states or, or China or Saudi Arabia, uh, but obviously Fabregas decides it's a uh, it's second division football for him. Yeah, like James said, it's a lovely part of the world. You know, um, to to well, he's not retired yet as he's going there to, to carry on playing, but um, yeah, lovely part of the world. And 
I'm sure he'll enjoy it and it'll bring a lot of entertainment to that that second division and you know get people talking, get the crowds talking there. So um, you know if it lifts that that part of Italy, I think it's good for the good for the sport over there and a, and a good signing from them. Yeah, you get a lot of players going over to America, don't you, to the the MLS and things like that. But this this sounds like there's a bit of a story in that. It just that does sound nice, like nice, doesn't it? You know, Lake Como and that is like you said, it's a place I'd love to go to. That um, so yeah, yeah, I hope he enjoys it and it'll be an interesting story to watch unfold. We made him sound like he was 95-year-old there, James. <laughs> well, he's getting on in his sesk. He's not quite the man he used to be. And no. uh, hopefully they've got some nice retirement retreats out there in Como for him to enjoy. Yeah. Um, another player who's not got sorted yet is Jesse Lingard, obviously. Uh, left Manchester United. Uh, not found a club yet, James. He well, He's an England international. He's still relatively young. I think it's, it'd be a you know terrible shame if he ended up having to go to America. Yeah, it would be. I mean, he, he, he's not of the sort of age of Fabregas, is he? He's oh. clearly got a lot left in the tank and he might not quite be there to play at the highest level to play for Manchester United. But I think there's be a lot of teams that would happily have him. And it shocks me that he hasn't quite found his place yet. But sometimes it doesn't quite work out for these players like Jack Wilshire, for example, this week, mm. who's just announced his retirement. An Arsenal wonder kid, an amazing player making loads of money. I think at one point he was, he was ranked in the top 30 most marketable sportsmen on the planet. And slowly but surely, his career is disintegrated. Injury issues. I know he's just experienced a spell in Denmark, I think, playing. And, and now he's retired. And it's just ultimately a question for me, rather, than what might have been. Yeah, it does make you, work, does make you sad, really, Paul, that you know these players who, who reach the top and you know stay at the top for a little while and able to find a club and, and finish a, a career that promised much but delivered little. Well, it gets said a lot in sport, doesn't it, that it's a short career, you know, certain sports and, you know, a few injuries and, and setbacks and that, and your career can pass you by, can't it, before you know it, you, you, you're outcast and you're in your 30s or your mid-30s or whatever and, and nobody wants to know you and you can't get a club for love and the money and, and it is time to hang your boots up. So, yeah, I mean, players... Once they're at the peak, they they've got to sort of appreciate it really, haven't they? What they've got because it only takes that one game where you get injured or you do your Achilles in or something like that, and you're never the same player again, are you? So, so yeah, really short career, and you got to look after your body, and sometimes it's hard too because it's not your fault, but you know it's, it does it can pass you by your career. Yeah, let's talk about Man City now, James. Uh, Mares signs five year deal uh, with Pep's uh, team. He's come in to Man City um, and and showed he's got a bit of class, he's got a bit of magic, and you know he adds that X X factor uh, to the Blues. Yeah, he does. He's a great signing, and I think he'll make a massive impact when Manchester City uh, play Bayern Munich. Uh, shortly, of course, they they're on the cusp of or have lost uh, Robert Lewandowski. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see if Mares can make an instant impact in that game. As a as a blue, uh, Paul, what does uh, Mares mean to you? Uh, not a lot because I don't follow City much anymore. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, yeah. Cause when last time I followed City, Sean Gold was playing. But, uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Yeah, good, good player. There's no doubt about that. City's side is, is is packed with with star players, isn't it? And we just hoping that you know for for them and the supporters that they can go one extra this season and you know set that Champions League. I think that's what the, the everybody at the club is um, 
he's vying for it. The, you know, if you'd have gone back a few years ago and you say, oh, God, you take a premiership at City, you'd bite your hand off. But I think they've done that now, haven't they? And they want to move on to bigger things. But they've got a great squad there. Pep's a, a good manager. He seems to get the best out of those players. You've got Haaland, who's come in, and we spoke about him a few weeks ago. It's how he takes to the Premiership. I'm sure he'll do really well as well. So, and, and the other players that you've already got in the squad from last season, like it's a fold and like the, the, the youngsters there that are coming through. So, got some good players, City, and they'll be expected to be doing really well again this season. So, uh, I'm sure they will. I think they'll be. They'll be. If, if you can finish above Manchester City, you'll probably win the title. Yeah, all the Blues listening. Paul does love you. Really, he's just shy. <laughs> too busy concentrating on Sol yeah um, talking about other things about Man City there's three t- players that are missing their pre-season uh, Tor, John Stones um, Gund- 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 Gunderson and Phil Foden all out James uh, I suppose it's about resting players and playing them when they're fit yeah most certainly there's no point rushing players back especially in pre-season we know they've got the credentials to play for Manchester City when all is said and done so I don't think they'll be too worried about this just get them back to fitness and, and use pre-season as a chance to use some of the other players an interesting story I've seen this week Rob and, and this is incredible Okay, a man is on holiday in the Balearic Islands and, and bumps into Fabinho Okay. Liverpool fan gets a picture. Next morning, he sees you again, again outside his hotel. So he pops over and says, Oh, hiya, Fabinho. Nice to see you again, pal. He asks him off the cuff if he fancies a kickabout. Fabinho then agrees, and the pair of them have a kickabout on the beach. And then the midfielder asks him out for, uh, for, for tea, and they have a meal together uh, on a double date with their partners. An incredible little story there, an act of generosity from Fabinho. What do you make of it? And if you had to dine with any player, Rob, oh, who would it be? Who would it be? Oh, I think it's fantastic um, that that Fabinho takes time out to speak to his 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 friends and his uh, well his his virtual friends, obviously because he's probably following him on Twitter. Shows us a nice bloke, really, um, especially on his holidays. To do that is really nice. Who would I would like to have tea with? I would like to have tea with uh, Andy Cole. Man United centre forward. My first, uh, remember when he signed for Newcastle, uh, running home from school, singing the Andy Cole song, get the ball, scores a goal, Andy, Andy Cole, all the way home, three mile, out of breath when I got home. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to speak to him about his United career and, you know, the the things that uh, they got up to in the United shirt. And now I think he was kind of under undervalued, really, and in English football. I know I think he's the, the second most goal scorer behind Alan Shearer. And people don't actually appreciate that, really. Uh, what about you, Paul? Who would you like to go out for, for dinner with? In football? Well, um, anyway. Well, I won't say rugby league because I've not, I've not got time to think of someone because it's probably <laughs> loads. But if it's football, I mean, yeah, growing up, I, I always followed City because my family did. And around that time, the late 80s, early 90s, it was Niall Quinn at City. I was always a big Niall Quinn fan because he's tall and gangly a bit like me so uh, so yeah I think he'd be a fascinating sort of guy to have a chat with I always had a bit of a soft spot for him so I'd say Quinny I think he's got d- disco pants is that right Paul? He's got what? Disco pants Yeah I think that's what <laughs> that's how the song goes I think but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I, yeah he's good like I say he's Irish international as well chairman of Sunderland he'd, be, he'd have a few stories to tell that's for sure Saved a penalty as well against Derby County and he saved a penalty yeah, so he did. He goalie got sent off and now got put in the goals and he saved the penalty. I think that was about 
God, 30 odd years ago, but I can remember that. I can remember him saving a penalty. I think they won that game at Derby at the old yeah. baseball ground. So, yeah, yeah. And and don't forget when he moved on from City, I think he was brilliant at Sunderland as well. Mm. You know, with Kevin Phillips. I always thought he was a real character. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, decent guy as well. Yeah, let's talk, uh, touch on Salford City. They've had two friendlies uh, this week. They played Hearth to Berlin and Halifax uh, at St. George's Park. Uh, won, won, lost 1 0 to Hearth of Berlin and won 3 0 against Halifax, James. Yeah, uh, obviously a tough game against Berlin, not quite getting the result. But a 3-0 win going into next season, very positive. And I think we've said on this uh, show more than enough times, Robert, that we genuinely believe that Salford have a good chance of going up this season. Mm. And that's the important thing, Paul. It's about getting it all right pre-season so you can hit uh, the front quick when season starts. Just echoing what we said last week, Rob. Yeah, I think that's what we said. You've got to iron it out. You've got to get things right. They've got a new manager. They've got a long, long season ahead in what is a very, very difficult division. You know, 46 matches in League Two. It's a massive, you know, you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, every week. You've got cups as well. You've got to manage that squad. And it's not going to be easy. You know, and as we've said there, Salford are the favourites. And the other clubs in that league are going to know that. And they're going to raise the game against them. So, because there's all that baggage that comes with it. So, they're going to have a tough time. But, I, I'm confident they can do well this time. Yeah, and that's the thing about Salford City. You know, they, they've got good players, and, and hopefully they'll uh, they'll get into the uh, the next division up uh, next season. So that's all the football chat. I'm going to talk rugby league now, Paul and Salford Devils. They were at home to Catalan Dragons and won 32 points to six. Uh, talk us through it. Well, it was a boiling hot day, Rob. It really was. It was um, scorching temperatures and around 30 degrees, I think, at kickoff. And you know, the heat was stifling. To go 6-0 down early doors, it looked like we were going to be on the end of a defeat. You know, Catalan probably used to the weather a bit more playing in Perpignan. But, and they had all the ball as well in the first half. Salford didn't have anything. And they had probably a couple of chances and, and took them. Got two tries and, and went in front at half-time, 12-6. The start of the second half... I counted six sets of six on the Salford line, then a six to go, and they couldn't score. Salford were defending absolutely outstandingly, then went down and, and got a try of their own. You know, Brodie Croft scored that try for us, and we, we got a bit of a lead and hung on to the lead, really, and kept building and building. Took our chances when we got them and played some fantastic attacking rugby, but the defence for me to keep Catalans out for 72 minutes of the game, you know, the remaining after the, the eighth minute try they scored. Is in that heat is absolutely outstanding. You know, they had guys like Sam Cassiano coming off the bench. You've got Bousquet in there, Julian. They've got some massive forwards. Well, just Cassiano on his own coming on. And and they, they stopped him. They did a, a number and they defended. Everybody did the job. You know, tackled like Trojans and, and, and scored some great tries. I mean, a few people said it on Twitter. We've become the entertainers. Some of the rugby we're playing and scoring, the tries we're scoring are outstanding. So that was a statement win for me that to beat a side who were probably going to finish in the top four by 32 points to six. Probably the best win of the season for me. Yeah. Can see O'Hatrick as well, showing yeah. one of the best wingers in the competition, uh, but he can't score him by himself. He needs people to provide. So the likes of Brodie Croft, Mark Sneed, Ryan Briley, you know, creating, looking dangerous. And Can uh, Seo, John on the spot, scores the tries. And he's sent a Dion Cross. Yeah, he's, he's sent a Dion Cross. Keeps putting him in as well. And, you know, Dion was on a good scoring run himself as well. He didn't score at the weekend, but he's been playing really well. Ken Seo, I mean, the first try he got, he didn't like there was any room there whatsoever. 
you know, he squeezed in a gap there that you wouldn't have got, like, you wouldn't have got a bike in that gap. He got in there and, and, and got the ball down. He created the space like what all good wingers do. Uh, I think the triangle we've got there, uh, Briley linking in. Briley, Ackers and the two halfbacks, Croft and Sneed, those four in the Catalan game was absolutely brilliant. You know, the, the, Briley brings so much on attack. He, he chimes in the line. His kicking game's outstanding at times. His short kicking game, you know, he creates... Try nearly every week, and um, and yeah, the defense again tremendous. I mean, the young lad who came, I'd say he's young, he's about 30. Lad who came in on loan from from Featherstone, uh, Ben Helliwell, I thought it was great. He slotted in really well, worked really hard. Danny Addy, who's not played for a long time, he had he put a really good shift in. So Elijah Taylor tackled his, his you know, his socks off. So it really was an all round team performance, and I think we've said that many a time this year when we had a good win. It's been difficult to pick a man of the match because everybody's played really well. Yeah, and the heat as well was a big thing. I think Salford's lack of size in the forward pack made Salford play a certain way and Catman Dragons have that size and weren't able to deal with this, the heat uh, and the speed of the game. No, and I think that's credit to Salford and credit to Paul Rowley and his tactics. I think he calls the players, I can't remember if it was his press conference or one of the week, a band of brothers and I think he's absolutely spot on Paul I think the the spirit and the never say die attitude of that team they've got it in spades and it's priceless you can't buy that and I mean you look at the last week coming out of the magic weekend lost Harvey Levet probably for the season Tyler Dupree's out for a, a significant period of time as well with the, with injuries so that's another two players you've lost and you know how does it, Paul Rowley said it himself the team picks itself because there's nobody there to pick and they're all putting their hands up every week. And you just think to yourself, if we had a full full strength, fully fit side with no injuries, which is, you know, you never really get that, do you? But if we did do, imagine where we'd be in the table. So we've been really lucky this season with injuries. But to keep battling on, and we're two points from sixth place now, I think it's a testament to the, the team and the players. So they're doing really, really well. Uh, it was a massive win for us because with Toulouse winning again at the weekend, they were only four points behind us and on a terrific run of form and play them next week. This win has just given us that little lift now to go up the table rather than down. So I think I think we're safe now. I mean, it's a big statement to make that, but I think we are because I think we'll win more games. Um, but yeah, we've just got to try and keep as healthy as we can now. Toulouse away next week is going to be another tough one. Yeah, you spoke to Chris Atkin, Dion Cross and Brody Croft after the game and this what I'd say. Right, Chris Atkin joins me. How tough was it out there? I mean, I mentioned it last week when we did the interviews at Newcastle. It's even hotter today. Yeah, even hotter today. Um, probably a little preparation probably for France next week. But, yeah, tough conditions. But I thought, you know, I know I went on in the middle uh, for part of the game. But some of the some of the effort from the lads, uh, Andy Ackers and people like that, some of the efforts were outstanding. Yeah, I mean, to keep Catalans out, they scored after eight minutes, 72 minutes, you kept them out there. I think at the start of that second half, they had six sets of six. That's, that's some discipline. Is that what pleased Paul Roller the most rather than the tries? Yeah, I think so. I think that's all we spoke about um, when we come into the changing rooms at the end. Then, and it was something we spoke about this week um, and before the game about a few things about emotion and, and particularly defence. Um, so we were, you know, we had maybe a point to prove um, to other people, but um, it was about ourselves and we knew what we could do. And obviously, we turned up for each other today. We had some good wins this season. Castaway, the Wakefield, 70 points, Warrington away. Is this probably the best one? Uh, it's probably up there, I think, this one and, and maybe Warrington um, for the occasion and, and going going away from home and getting that win and building off that Wakefield performance was massive. But yeah, again, this uh, we were Catalan right in the season and 
and where we're where we're building and aiming for is definitely another big tick in the box for us. How tough is it in the week leading up to the games? Because I mean, half the time you've not even got a squad have you to, to, to pick from. I think it's like the 19 players there, and someone's came on loan, Ben Ellie. Well, I think he did really well. It must be difficult, you know, prep preparing for games when you're down to the bare bones. Yeah, I think um, obviously the coaching staff and, and physios and conditioners are really working hard behind the scenes to get as many players as we can on the field and. Um, we, we just talk about whoever is out there, we, we do our best for, for the team and whatever job we're asked to do, um, we're going to do it with our best of our ability. So um, that's probably what's got us as such a tight group. There is a few numbers and we've sort of got to rely on, on what we've got and, and that's probably why we're doing so well. I can't see it being this hot into lose next week, can you? Uh, maybe. It's, you know, I think Morgan's keeping an eye on it in France and he's saying it's getting to mid-30s, maybe 40s at some point. So you never know. Take it easy, mate. Safe journey. Thanks Cheers. for speaking to us. Nothing. Delighted to have been joined by try scorer Brodie Croft. Hot day out there today. What a performance. Do you think that's the best performance the team's put in this season? Yeah, certainly defensively. I thought we really showed up there, particularly at the start of the second half and had eight, nine minutes with the ball before we actually got the ball. So I thought, um, yeah, we just showed a lot of resolve and resilience and, um, and yeah, it was really good to, to get the rewards in the end. You don't mind doing the tough stuff either, do you? Doing the defence, defensive work, you know, scoring the tries is great. But I think your defence has been outstanding at half-back this season. Oh, thank you. I think um, it's on the back of the whole team. I think we're all defending really well, working hard for each other. Um, and then that's what we build our, build our games off when we played really well. It's been on the back of our defence. Yeah, we've got a lot of attacking weapons in our team right across the park, but it's built on the back of our defence. So it's a bit of adversity as well. I mean, last week I spoke to some of the players coming out. They were battered in Bruges. You lost Tyler Dupree, Harvey Levet. Massive blow, that. And then to come out and put a performance like that against a side who are in the top four in the table must give you an awful lot of confidence now. Going to France next week is going to be another tough game. Yeah, certainly. Um, I think, yeah, one of the big thing about this team is the resilience that we have. Um, we can just keep building every week, but that resilience that's underlying us as a, as a whole, as a unit, I think... Um, yeah, we've been, had a lot of adversity this year. We've got heaps of injuries. I mean, the rehab, so many guys in rehab at the moment, but the guys that keep coming in, everyone just keeps turning up for each other, um, working hard at training, and it's good to get the rewards when we work hard at training, work hard in the footy field, and then yeah, get the success at the end of it. Was a heat pretty easy for you today? Because you're used to it, aren't you, in Australia? <laughs> uh, I mean, I haven't played in a game like that. Well, last weekend was a hot one as well, but um, yeah, it's certainly uh, it's good to play in the heat again. I like playing in the heat. Um, yeah, come from Australia, but also just as a little fella, you know that even when I'm when I'm hurting, the other guys on the other team, the bigger boys, they're going to be hurting just even more than myself. So, um, yeah, try to take on those those opportunities. Thanks very much for joining us, Brody. Best awesome. luck next week in France, mate. Thanks very much. Right, I'm delighted to say I caught up with Dion Cross for the first time this season. I've been after you. How did you think it went today, mate? Great performance. Oh, fantastic performance. Um, I think before the game, you know, we spoke about our attitude. Um, and you know we put all our energy into defence and the sort you know our attack and look after itself and you know especially in that heat today as well you know big wrap to the to the middles and I thought you know on the edges as well we defended really well and we know we got the rewards off the back of that scoring nice tries you know we conceded a try after eight minutes and to keep a, t- a team out like Catalans who you know top top four right top four side big massive pack of forwards how tough is it out there to keep them out yeah it's tough especially I think we defended seven sets just yeah, after that time half, on yeah. our own line and. You know, that's just an attitude thing, I think, and, you know, showing desperation, uh, great attitude and commitment, you know, stops and tries, because there were some good players, what they did, and, you know, we did well to, you know, stop the key men. Do you think you're in the form of your career at the moment? You're enjoying it here at Salford? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Um, you know, it's just my first year full-time, never been full-time before, never played Super League, so still adapting, and, you know, the goal is to just take it week by week, and, 
you know, just to make sure my performances, I get keep getting better every week. And hopefully, you know, by next season, I've got a full year in the development. Hopefully, I can get a crack at trying to get into that. Oh, you found it going full-time? Because, I mean, you wouldn't think so, looking at you. I mean, you settled in at Salford, you played great stuff, you're scoring tries. You didn't get one today, but you, you've been in sort of rich fame of form scoring tries. Have you just took to like a duck to water, really? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, I've got a great group around me. Uh, you know, we look after you. Uh, great, you know, coaches. And, you know, I think uh, Rolls and Haggy and Danny Hall, you know, they were really tough on me at the start. And, you know, that sort of set me up for, you know, these games. Did you need that, though? Yeah, I think I needed it. You know, just sometimes if I'm not pulling me away, just give me that kick up the backside. To Did you have a job then before on. you went full-time? Yeah, I had a job, yeah. So I was right. working with um, lads who get kicked out of high school. So I was working right. with them in alternative education. So juggling that in part-time rugby. So it was tough, but, you know, I'm just taking it week by week and I don't want to go back to working nine to five and then train on the night, you know, I want to make sure I'm playing my best and stay full-time. Got big weather again next week, you've got to go to Toulouse. That's going to be uh, going to be tough over there. They're on a good front of form. I think they've won three or four games on the trot, haven't they? But are you as a team now looking up the table rather than down? Yeah, yeah, we're always looking up. Um, and, you know, we're always looking at who we can catch next. And, you know, we just take it week by week, focus on ourselves and, um, you know, just focus on ourselves and, like I said, the performance is short. I think the season become the entertainers because some of the rugby and some of the tries yeah. are scoring, particularly some of the tries you yeah. scored have been quality, haven't they? Oh, brilliant. You know, you look at some of the tries, I reckon 50, 60% of them's come out of our own half. So we throw the ball about, and that's a great thing about playing in this team, especially for me as a centre. And, you know, Kenny's a winger, you know, you're throwing the ball about, it's, you know, everyone's dreaming it. He scored an attic today, but a lot of that's down to you. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Dion. Thanks cheers, for joining mate. us, mate. Yep, so that was uh, Chris Atkin, Dion Cross, and Brody Croft. Paul and all three sort of buzzing with a win. Yeah, and they'd all played well and, you know, there's been rumours going around about Chris Atkin, whether he's going to be there next season. I hope he is. Um, I think he adds another dimension for us. Very, very versatile player. Very, very patient lad as well. Uh, you know, he's had to wait his chance a few times this season. He's a very useful player in that team, so I hope he stays. Uh, Dion Cross, I think, has been probably the, the, the newcomer, hasn't he? If they get one award for new best newcomer, I think it would be him. I think he's been outstanding this season. You know, at the start of the year, a lot of supporters are saying, oh, he might be sort of second choice or whatever, but he's come in there and made that spot his own. And yeah, he's had to fill in for probably Dan Sides to be first choice centre, but you try and get him out of that team now, he's been outstanding. And Brody Croft, I mean, what do you, can you say about him? He's probably one of the best half-backs in the league. Yeah. To lose uh, away next week, there off the bottom of the Super League after a decent run of form in the last couple of weeks. Wakefield have replaced them. Uh, they're in a right dogfight down there. Yeah, they are. It can change week in week out. Although there's still a lot of games to be played yet, so uh, but they, they've got a bit of momentum behind them now to lose. But you know, if I was a, I had to put me head on the block, I, I think we can go there and beat them. I think we can beat them comfortably as well. I think we've got the. We've got the play, players to score points. I don't think Toulouse's defence is that good. So I'm confident we can go there and get a result. It's going to be a tough one. It's travelling over there. It's going to be heat again. It's going to be another tough week. But uh, but yeah, I think we can go there and get a result. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, Salford Red Devils ladies. Uh, they were victorious uh, in the doubleheader this weekend. They beat Hull KR 58 points to six. Two tries from Steph Gray, two tries from Kayleigh Bradshaw, two from Lucy McKeown and two from Alex Simpson were the highlights. Uh, Chris Bates, ladies playing some good stuff. Yeah, they certainly was. And I think it's it's credit to them that they got to play on the AJ Bell Stadium pitch. And they came around, you know, at half time, I think it was in the in the men's game and got a real adulation from the supporters as well for what they've done so far. It was great to see a lot of kids there getting selfies with the ladies and you know that's going to boost their confidence even more. It means a lot to the supporters now. So uh, they're on the big stage now. 
on the big stage at the weekend and, and performed. 58-6 was great. I mean, it was a bit of a bruising contest. I think we picked up some injuries, didn't we? But, uh, you know, which is tough. And, and, and Chris Bates is going to have to manage that now. But another another big win. And there's some big hurdles to come, isn't it, in a few weeks with the, with the cup final and what have you. So they're preparing for it really well. Yeah, the biggest injury they picked up is Steph Grace up at Star Centre. 15 tries in 20 games, uh, Paul. Badly broken arm, probably done for the season now, which is a blow for her and the team. Yeah, it's a massive blow for the team, but it's a blow for her, isn't it? I mean, you'd be absolutely gutted. She's worked so hard this season and played really well, scored loads of tries, coming to the business end of the season where you get all the adulations and hopefully a cup winning. She's not going to be able to play, so you, your heart goes out to her, really, and hope she makes a full recovery. And She'll still be there celebrating with the team every week and coming to the matches, I suppose, but it's not the same when you're not in, in there. So, uh, so yeah, we wish her a speedy recovery. I'm sure she'll make a comeback. She'll come back stronger, no doubt about that. Yeah, Drewsbury Moor uh, away next week. They beat him in the semi-final last week. They beat him at home in March. Uh, they are a good side, Drewsbury Moor. It'll be a tough contest. Yeah, it's a tough contest every week, isn't it? Especially when you picked up injuries as well. Chris Bates is going to have to shuffle the team around a bit. So that's another one. And they've got the cup final. I think it's the week after. So it's going to be one of those where you can't really take your eye off that. You've just got to keep taking each game as it comes. Um, I'm, I'm sure they will have an eye on that that final. But uh, this is a decent preparation for it, though, the week before. So another tough game, but uh, I'm sure they'll be yeah, they'll be fired up and have a game plan for that one. Do you think Chris Bates rotates his squad with the cup final in, in his sights? No, I think you keep it the same, really. I think you, I wouldn't if it was me. I'd just want you know to keep... you always got to manage the team, haven't you? You don't want to be throwing people in if, they, if they're not fully fit and things like that. But you just want to keep going and building momentum. You don't want to go into a cup final cold. Do you want to go in there battle-hardened and, and ready? So um, so I, I'm sure he'll keep faith with, with the ladies that have been playing. Yeah, uh, let's talk Swinton Lions now. They were in action this week. They beat Midlands Hurricanes 54 points to 22. Great result uh, for Alan Coleman's men. Yeah, well, again, you talk about the heat, don't you? And, um, you know, these lads aren't full-time. You know, they're not full-time pros, and it? it must have been difficult for anybody in that heat at the weekend. So, uh, so yeah, to score 50 points against a, a Midlands team who've improved, I think, this season. They've been been a tough nut to crack. So that's just what Swinton needed. They needed a result. You know, there's some of the other side at the top there are starting to break away. You know, Keithley won again. They look like they could run away with it at the moment. You know, signing players left, right and centre. They seem to have a, a lot of money behind them there. So it's going to be tough for Swinton, but you've got to win your, your home games, definitely. And that was a good result for them. Obviously, Swinton kind of chasing that forward uh, sort of running pack. Um, you think there's enough games to catch him? Yeah, definitely. They're right up there, aren't they? So, uh, and it goes to a playoff as well. You want to finish as high as you can, don't you? Because you want to have home games in the playoffs. So, uh, so yeah, I'm quietly confident they can still do well and they can still cause problems in that. And if they got to a, the grand final and say they had to play Keithley, you won back against him. You know, Alan Coleman seems a wily coach. He knows the leagues. And Swinton have got some good players themselves. So, uh, it's going to be a challenge for them, but that's what rugby league's all about. Yeah, four tries from George Roby against the Hurricanes, showing that he's a, a class player. Yeah, certainly. You know, four tries is, is is quality. I mean, I've just noticed at the weekend Bevan French scored seven for Wigan, which is a, a good uh, a good return as well. But yeah, good good performance from Swinton. That and uh, as I said before, just what they needed. You know, they had a week off, didn't they? For they got a bye a few weeks ago, and sometimes that can 
can knock you off your off kilter a bit, can't it, when you're not playing? So, uh, so they needed that result today against a tough uh, Midland side and, and, and got a good result. So, uh, so yeah, onwards and upwards for them now. They've got some tough games coming up. Got Rochelle Horn, it's coming up soon, I think, away from home. So, that's going to be a difficult one. Yeah, fixture this week for the Lions is Cornwall away on Saturday, I think. Obviously, I think Cornwall registered the, the first win not, not so long ago. So, that'll be a test. Yeah, away from home it will be. It's a long trip down there, isn't it? Um, I believe um, former Salford hero and legend Keith Fielding is a regular down there at, at Cornwall mm. watching them. So, uh, so yeah, watch out for Keith if you're going down there. But, uh, but yeah, it'll be a nice trip down for them. And you know, it's going to be hot down there, I think, isn't it? It's even warmer than it is up here. So, uh, but yeah, I'd expect Swinton to get a result down there, professional performance, and, uh, and come away with a win. Obviously, where where do you think rugby league should go next in the pursuit for growing the sport? Yeah, good question, Rob. I mean, in Wales at the moment, you've got two sides there. I mean, North Wales Crusaders are doing really well this season, aren't they? In, in, the, in the League One, you've got West Wales as well, who are building. Um, God, I, I don't know, really. Where would you go? I mean, East Anglia, we've never had a team on that neck of the woods, have we? Um, I can't really think of anywhere else. To I suppose, with, with a minute to go, it is important that, you know, Rugby League continue to try and expand with a World Cup on the horizon. and. Yeah. I think obviously you need to make sure that you protect the 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 founder clubs and the clubs in the the heartlands. But I think as a sport, rugby league needs to grow um, into areas that not necessarily uh, rich in rugby league support. Uh, but hopefully, they will be in three to five years time. Well, yeah, I think if you if you look at Cornwall, I think their crowds have been really good this season. They've had a few gates of over a thousand. I was listening to a support on the radio the other day on one of the phone-ins and he was really picking it up. So it sounds like they're doing pretty well there. So uh, good luck to them. Yeah, it's exciting times, obviously, for everybody. And, you know, I suppose with, with Salford, you know, we've travelled length and breadth. I think we went to Gateshead with 20 seconds to go. Yeah, yeah, Gate said, yeah, that was a good trip. And, and Newcastle Thunder, as they are now, are doing pretty well, aren't they, in the championship? So it just shows it works. Expansion works. You've just got to give it time sometimes. And that's what it's all about. It's about expanding the game and sort of helping the people who don't necessarily know rugby league is there know there's a great sport to follow. And a team like Soft Red Devils and Swint Lines are available. Big thanks for tuning to this week's Sports Zone. I'm Rob Parkinson, and we'll see you next week. 